Welcome to the On The Edge Podcast with your host, Scott Groves. Hey guys and gals, this is Scott Groves with the On The Edge Podcast. I am interviewing a new friend of mine, Trey Kaufman, who is the uh, host of the wildly popular This Mosaic Life, The Mosaic Life Podcast. And um, this is going to be a little bit of a departure from my normal complaining political rants, you know, <laughs> going hard in the paint with everything that's wrong. Because Trey is on this journey with his friends, with his business, with his podcast to explore like this idea of happiness and what makes people happy and he's having some great conversations. He's a couple hundred episodes in in his podcast. For any of you that know anything about podcasts, most of them fail before episode 17. So just the fact that he's still around and crushing it and talking about happiness, I was like, I need a little bit more happiness in my life. This is the guy who I need to be talking to. So um, Trey, what what did I miss in the 60-second Reader's Digest version? And um, what what is the key to life and the secret to happiness? Let's just let's just get it out of the way in five minutes. Just get and out of the way. Fix all the problems of the world in the first five minutes of the podcast. So what yeah, I what did I miss man. in the Reader's Digest version of your biography? Nah, man, you gave me you gave me all the tinglies. Uh, that was that was a very well said introduction. I, I appreciate that. Um, it's been a really cool journey, and I, I mean to to disappoint you early on. I don't have the secret to happiness, man. I have the secret to my happiness, but it's it's something that I realized early on in this journey is that it's different for every single person. And when I realized that, it was just kind of an eye-opening uh, moment for me. And I and so I, you know, I, I wanted to kind of unlock the algorithm for happiness, which sounds so out there now that I'm saying it out loud. But people, I get, I mean, for me, I just, I've had to realize what is actually important to me and more, as important as that, I have to realize what's not important to me and be able to let those things go. So it's been, it's been a learning experience, even though, as you know, growing a podcast is extremely difficult and frustrating at times. I get so much value out of actually having these conversations because they help me grow personally. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I was looking at some of the con uh, comments because we we put a little bit of ad money on YouTube and put out one of our um, videos, which now has a lot of views because of ad money, of course. And yeah. um, somebody commented on it. He's like, your, only, your other videos only have 50 views. Why are you still doing this? And, and I just simply wrote back, I'm like, cause this is really for me, not for you. Like we're, we're putting it out there, but my goal is just to talk to interesting people, have a cigar. And you know, I feel blessed in our business that I can afford a couple thousand dollars or a lot of thousand dollars worth of equipment to put it out yeah, on man. YouTube. And it's like, yeah, I, I would do it if there were no views. Cause it's for me, not you. And if you get some value out of it, that's awesome. Absolutely. I, I, I I feel you when when you see that it can be so disheartening. I'm I put I put a very few dollars on Facebook just recently just to just to see you know what traction I can get putting in putting some money behind uh, the podcast and advertising. I got a notification the other day uh, that somebody had said, Hi, "Can do you, do you mind if I cuss on your?" Oh, podcast? you can cuss all the time, no problem. Okay, uh, somebody said, "How do I get this shit off my newsfeed?" And like <laughs> me. <laughs> me a year and a half, two years ago, I would have been so I would have been crushed like that. Even though they've never listened or even know nothing about me, they they just that that would have that would have felt so bad for me in the past. But I now I don't know. It's not like I, I pity them. I just I I want people to experience joy and happiness in this life. And if you're going to be upset about the smallest thing on Facebook of all places, then I don't know. I just I have nothing to say to you. And so I I just deleted the comment and moved on with my day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way to do it. Uh, it, it is getting harder and harder, though, I think, though, 
to protect your mental psyche because the tweets, the bleeps, the the comments, the the Instagram, the this, there, it, it it is very hard to protect our sanity against negativity. Yeah. And God forbid you're wading into the social atmosphere every anywhere with your podcast and like you said, advertising some dollars on Facebook. Like you're bound to just get shellacked across the face over and over and over again. So. Um, yeah. I, I want to go back to something you said, like the, the, you're trying to find the secret to your happiness. And when you started this journey, what what started the journey? Why why did Trey decide, like, I've got to put some overwhelming energy to finding my happiness? Man, I feel like so much of it happened at once, but still at the same time, it was kind of uh, it was in the making for years prior. I mean, when I really decided to start this podcast, I, I was drinking too much, making some probably bad decisions. And uh, I had another podcast that was coming to an end. It was a comedy podcast with a friend of mine. And my buddy Ernie and I, we just we always got together. We always, every time we were together, even though we weren't the best people in the world, we always challenged ourselves to do the best we could, at least when we were around each other, to, to sound as, as noble and high and mighty as we possibly can. And uh, so I invited him onto the podcast and we, we just, we, we hit it off, started bringing people in to interview. And it was just a really, really cool experience. Um, and so again, when I say a couple of things happened at once, actually two years ago, this coming Monday, the uh, October 18th, I decided to quit drinking. And so between the podcast and between quitting drinking, those two things just had such a profound and monumental impact in my life. I started to realize through these conversations what, and through these conversations and through having so much extra time and money and health, I realized what I was capable of. I, I realized what I was, what I'd been limiting myself to over the past, you know, 15 years. And I'm not, I, I don't want to bastardize drinking because a lot of people get value out of that. But I, I, I always overdid it. I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was abusing alcohol. And so when I removed that influence from my life, I just, I started to accomplish so much. And it was just a snowball effect from that point forward. And um, I, I know you referred me to Jesse Harless, and we had a wonderful conversation. He himself. Uh, he, he's sober because he was court mandated to go to AA and he had a very different story, but actually hearing, you know, some of his experiences, it just re it reconfirms, you know, all of the decisions I've made, knowing that I was able to get out of a life prior to making a, a major mistake. And I, it's, I don't know, it's just been a really good, uh, two years for me because of that. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I I know Jesse really well and he and I have had a lot of conversations and then I've got a few friends in Los Angeles who are very big in the AA community. And it is interesting because I feel like people stop drinking usually for one of two reasons. Either they're an addict, they have a physical dependency, they, they have what, you know, I would now as I've become more mature and understand these things, they have a disease, you know, and they go to AA because they have a disease that they're constantly fighting off. And then some people, and this sounds like maybe you're more in this camp, you kind of just woke up one day and you're like, man, is alcohol really serving me? Like, like, is it, is it, is it really in service of pick whatever you, you know, what your health, your body, your, your mental psyche. Uh, It sounds like you're maybe more in that camp, which I think is almost more noble because like I could come to terms with the fact if I was an addict and I was like, I couldn't like have a drink without having the 20th drink. I think I could conceptualize that and get over and, and, and battle with alcoholism. 
but yeah. I, I'm not ready to step into the light where it's like, Hey, there's some things I'm doing in my life, like eating Oreos and maybe having one too many cocktails with a cigar. And that's just not serving me. Like I'm, I'm not strong enough to get to that place yet. <laughs> so not that I wish alcoholism on anybody, but I almost right. think that would be easier for me to deal with emotionally than be like, eh, did I really need to have that second row of Oreos or that fifth cocktail with that third cigar? It's like, I haven't got to that uh, uh, evolved place that Trey is where I can step away from things that aren't serving me. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you bring up a very good point. I, when I started making these changes in the interest of personal development, I, I felt enlightened. And I use that word very intentionally because I, I felt like I've made, I, I've done this amazing thing in my life and I've, I want other people to experience it. And so as I tried to change people, I realized how difficult that is and it almost impossible. And you, you, you really can't ask somebody to change until they feel the necessity in their life. And so, yeah, when you're addicted, when you have, when you, when you have, when you have to go to AA because you have a chemical dependency on a substance. Yeah. That, that is, that is one thing. And that, that is, that is, you, you know, that you need help. But when you are just moving along in life, kind of trudging along, I guess, and you're not doing all the things that you ever really dreamt of accomplishing, it's not as easy of a conversation to have with yourself. Like I, I can, I can, Either tonight I can go out to the bar and have, you know, four, five or six or 10 drinks with my friends, or I can sit down and study for a few hours and, and make progress toward my goal that I might not see realized for another two years. And that is so difficult to do because if you're not seeing that progress right away, you're not getting that, that confirmation that you're doing something that is moving your life forward. And it's, it's just, it's very difficult. And if you can't show somebody that, I don't know, you have to, you just have to live by example. That's, that's what I've come to understand. I just, if I'm going to help people demand the best for themselves, I need to do my best to exemplify all that I've gained from, from this experience. Yeah. You know what I've really enjoyed about catching up on a couple of episodes of your podcast is uh, I have a good friend who you might actually know, John Vroman. He runs a uh, a group called Front Row Dads, and it's for uh, it's for fathers who are trying to be businessmen, not businessmen who are trying to be fathers. And uh, he'd be a great guy to have on your, on your podcast because he's just a very generative guy like all of his conversations yeah. are positive and we were at a live retreat and, and somebody said this i can't remember who and it was so good because he said you know today's um today's breakthrough is tomorrow's ego trip and yeah. and sometimes when i've when i've tuned in on podcasts like yours i'm like oh here's somebody that just found whatever you know god sobriety enlightenment uh, running ultra marathons and their breakthrough, they're just trying to force down everybody's throat because yeah. now they have this ego about it. And what I loved about listening to the episodes of your podcast in anticipation of this interview is you're really good at asking questions and trying to get to the root of other people's happiness versus like cramming your ideals down their throat. So first of all, I want to say thank you for having a good podcast where you're thank not you. just an egomaniac because um, I think that's why most people do a podcast. <laughs> um, I, no, I, I appreciate that, and it's it's it, that I, I I love and hate that word because I mean prior I mean five or six years ago ego was I was driven by ego I, I really was I used to I used to think I was the best at everything even though I had absolutely no proof to to back that up I just when I would I would go into every situation with this ridiculous amount amount of confidence and it very rarely worked out for me and so when I really started to make those transformations I, I read a book uh, by Ryan Holiday it's called Ego is the Enemy and just that book set me on such a a wonderful path especially down the road of stoicism which has become such a a profound study for me and realizing that 
one, you don't have to suppress your ego. If you can learn to live alongside it and you can have a healthy relationship with it, then you can do really cool things. Um, and then, you know, I guess after I read that book, I started asking myself consciously in my own mind, you know, is this what I'm about to say or what I'm about to do? Is it motivated by ego? And that, that, that question, it became such a daily practice. And when I, when I said yes, I was able to make an, a decision based on that answer. And that, that I guess is what led me to wanting to know more about other people. Like I, I I'm, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I, I work for myself. I've designed my lifestyle, which means a ton to me. But you know, you are doing amazing things. Other people I'm talking to are doing amazing things, and I'm no better than anybody else. And I, I really, really try to convey that message in the podcast. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you know, I, I think Ryan Holiday is reintroducing a whole generation to stoicism. And um, just through dumb luck, somebody gave me the, you know, Marcus, uh, Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, yeah. like in my 20s. And it was it was way over my head, but I at least knew what the concept was. Can you explain to people that are maybe hearing this for the first time, what is stoicism and, and why is it kind of on the rise right now? Yeah, absolutely. You're, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, Ryan Holiday, I mean, he... I, 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 he, I, he brands himself as a modern day stoic and I, I love his writing and he's, he's so good at what he does. Um, you'll hear him, you'll hear Tim Ferriss say that stoicism is the operating system for life, which, you know, I don't know how, how tangible that is for some people. It's just really the realization that the only thing you have control of in your life is how you respond to situations. I mean, you can be driving down the road and I know this is such a generic example and somebody cuts you off and you can get pissed off. You can flick them off. I mean, you can get into a road rage fight and, or you can realize that, Hey, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're trying to get somewhere. What they're doing has absolutely no effect on my own life. They didn't hit me. They didn't cause an accident. They are, I, I don't need to carry this anger with me for the rest of the day. And so I'm able to respond to that situation in a thoughtful and caring manner. And so that essentially is what stoicism is. Um, like I said, I love Ryan Holiday's writing. I just bought his new book. Uh, Courage is the Courage is the way I'm looking forward to, to reading it. I don't know. So, I don't want to get too deep into it, but some of the things that he actually does on social media, it kind of contradicts what some of his writing is. But I mean, I, I love the message that he's actually conveying and spreading into the world because it's very, very important. And I think if we can do more to instill that, we'd be we'd be less at each other's throats and more willing to help each other grow and lift each other up. Yeah, I agree. I, what's ironic is that I know he's he's known as the modern day uh, stoic the book of his that I actually like the most is Conspiracy, the story about Peter Thiel using yeah, Hulk yeah. Hogan as the vessel to yeah. sue Gawker out of existence. And like, absolutely, it's so funny that that book just triggers both sides of my brain. I'm like the libertarian. I'm just like, yeah, no, a, a news, a news organization that's just complete trash should, should have the right to exist. And then part of me is like, yeah, good for Peter Thiel for suing them out of existence. And then I'm like, but wait a minute, what does that say about free press and journalism? That's kind of scary. And then I'm like, yeah, but Hulk Hogan had his, like my hero from my childhood had a sex tape released inappropriately and yeah. Gawker should die. So even, even his book about current events is like, man, it really forces you to sit back and think about your your kind of opinions on things so absolutely man and I, I i read that book too and i remember having mixed feelings myself like i before i knew any better i was i was big into gawker i really i really enjoyed uh valley wag when it existed i think that's what it was called you know silicon valley news and all of their publications and i i, I didn't I guess I didn't let myself realize how trashy they were. And it, so reading through that, and I, I 
my personal opinion aside, I don't necessarily know that Peter Thiel is the, the best human in the world, but I, I, I see I see where his fear, his ferocity came from in wanting to sue Gawker out of existence. I, I, it was it was a very it was it was pulling at heartstrings in both in both directions, like you said. And so it was a it was a very interesting case to read about. Yeah, you know, you, in, you you mentioned that about not realizing how trashy it was. I, I kind of put a, a question out there to my my limited audience, like my kind of uh, focus group that's on Telegram. I have a Telegram thread, which is unfortunately just turned into a bunch of like libertarian memes. And it's like, that's not really what I originally wanted it to be. But I asked them, I said, hey, I'm going to be introducing or I'm going to be interviewing Trey. What are your questions for him on happiness? And the number one thing that came up from three different people was like, does Trey watch the news? Does he follow politics? And do the people that he meets that are genuinely happy, are, are they involved in news media consumption? Because if you are, their thesis, my thesis, is it's real hard to be happy the last, pick a number, three years, three months, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, I don't know. If you're intimately involved and informed about politics and kind of current events, I, I think it's just getting harder and harder to be happy, even though, um, you know, strictly speaking and statistically speaking, everybody's life is getting better, right? Like, like yeah. materialistically and, and theoretically wealth of a nation, like everybody's getting better, but man, hard to be happy if you're watching the news. So that was one of the number one questions is, does Trey watch the news? Does he follow politics? Does the people that he interviews her are happy? Do, how do they handle that, that noise? Let me, okay. So I, I, I knew coming to this podcast, we were going to get into something like this. And I, I just want to say like all of my mindsets, the, it's an N equals one, you know, I, 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 I do this and I, I, I do my best to keep my opinions at, at, if not to myself, at the very least, I, when I share them, I want to be open with them and not have a, a point to them. And so do I fall? Do I watch the news? Yes, I, I do. I try to catch Lester Holt uh, every every evening. I, I like I like his new style. I I, I enjoy watching his program. Um, and I know how difficult it can be to watch news and not feel discouraged. I, I, he does some happy stories, but the vast majority, you know, not. Uh, in the past two years, the past six years, the past whatever it is. I mean, I'll just I'll be open and, and say what my viewpoints are, and I want to I want to say what these are with the with all the love in the world because I I know not everybody I, maybe nobody will agree with me and that's that's completely fine because if we can have nuanced conversations if we can actually listen to each other then we can understand where we're coming from and so i i personally was not super happy when trump was elected but you know i did my best to you know live my best life because that's all i had the ability to do and i i'm not involved with politics i, I have absolutely no desire to be involved with politics but i do vote because i, I feel like that's 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 the American way. And so I, I do. And so well, I, was I happy when Biden won? Yes. Do I think he's doing a great job? He's doing an OK job. I think there's a lot better to be done. But I have to I don't know if disassociates the right word, uh, disconnect myself from the outside world because I don't the outside news cycle, I guess, because I don't have any control over it. Right. I want to be informed. I do, because not necessarily just in regard to conversation, but if I know what's going on in the world, then I can help influence some of my personal decisions. You know, climate change, I think, is an extremely important uh, thing that we're living with in, in this day and age. And so if I can do my best to be as green as possible, fantastic. So I want to be... I want to be informed about that. But in regard to actually separating myself from the news cycle, that is something that has 
I've had to work on for for a long, long time. And so the people I talk to who are who are living their happiest lives, I very rarely have conversations like this on the podcast. I just want to know what they're doing in their life to reach their their highest level of excellence every single day. Because as entrepreneurs, as podcasters, as people who are demanding the best for themselves, they are always pushing themselves to be better and to do better. And so that's what I want to know. So you know, very rarely do I have, you know, heated conversations or even conversations about, you know, what people's political or personal viewpoints are, because that's, I mean, that's theirs. And I, I want them to have that. And I don't want to try and change their mind because we all know how futile that effort is. And right, so, right. Yeah, I just I, I want to know what people are doing every single day to live their very best lives. That's awesome. And, you know, a follow up question to that, because this is kind of what I've I've felt. And whether you want to call it spirituality or religion or community or, or whatever the thing is, I do feel like Americans, we've gotten away from a sense of a higher purpose, whether that yeah. was going to church and believing in God or whether that was being part of your local Kiwanis club or Boy Scout troop or whatever, there's a little bit of a sense of, um, a sense of, of disconnect and disconnection yeah. from the community. Like, you know, I, I, I don't really know anybody past my immediate neighbors in my neighborhood. Yeah. And that's kind of embarrassing where I yeah, feel like I in generations it. past, it would have been like, you have a block party once in a while. And you know, the Smiths come over for dinner and all the kids play together and whatnot. And, and it worries me that we've substituted these things that we can control locally for kind of this dogma of um, larger political whether it's social media, whether it's news, just just kind of to you to your point, disconnecting from the stuff that we really can't control, we're really connected to that, but the stuff yeah. we can control, like, oh, I don't know, our own health, our relationships with our neighbors, yes. maybe meeting your local sheriff to try to make the community a better yes. place. People just don't do that shit anymore. And I, 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 I can't figure out, I'm not smart enough to figure out like, where was the switch where we disconnected from the local and the internal stuff that can make us happy and we now project all of that, you know, externally. I'm never going to meet Trump. Trump doesn't give a shit about me. I'm never going to meet Biden. Biden doesn't give a shit about me. But somehow we fixate on this stuff and it's like, you know who might give a shit about me is my neighbor. If somebody's breaking yeah. into my house, I yes. should probably go introduce myself to them and, you know, we'll come up with a plan if somebody's breaking into somebody's house. But what, do you have any thoughts on either why that happened or if you have no thoughts on that, why this makes us so unhappy? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm again, like, like you're, you're admitting to yourself, like I, I'm not smart enough to, you know, have these answers. I, I think so many of the arguments will go back to social media, and I think there's, it has a big role to play in it. But I, I think that happiness is probably, probably predates that uh, quite a ways. Um, I hesitate to say this. I, I. I well, not not this part. So I, I recently read the book, uh, The Energy Formula by Sean Wells. He's a, he's a great guy. I had him on my podcast, and I, that'd probably be a great fit for your podcast as well. Uh, he's he's a he's a biochemist. He's uh, he's he's patented dozens of uh, uh, supplement uh, ingredients. He's an extremely smart guy. So, energy is an acronym. I'm not going to be able to remember it all, but uh, one of our um, uh, one of the the why is for your tribe. And so the last part of the book was talking about building a tribe and. I had I had mixed feelings on that because I I like the idea of having a community. I like the idea of having people I can call on and you know hang out and you know have conversations with. But at the same time, I, I get so 
the feeling of groupthink and the feeling of you know this this whole let's let's grab our pitchforks and all run out down the road together so we can you know lynch somebody which I I, I don't like using that word but I mean that's essentially what I'm envisioning here that's that's scary to me and so I, I I go back and forth on whether or not I want to have a tribe or have a community or just have people I can openly have conversations with and that's why these are so powerful for me and so. I, I don't know. I, I think it's important to have people within your 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 network, your neighborhood that you can actually just relate to and you can have a conversation with, especially if you don't necessarily agree with them. Because if we can actually have a nuanced conversation, if we can understand them a little bit better, then maybe, yeah, like you said, if your neighbor's house is getting broken into, you can say, hey, I respect Bert. I don't necessarily agree with Bert, but I'm sure as hell going to make sure that nobody steals his big screen TV because he is somebody that I I, I care about uh, regardless of our beliefs. And I, I want to make sure that he is taken care of because I understand what it means for him to be happy. I understand what it means to alleviate some of his suffering. And I, I want to do my best to do that, not only for him, but for the people I talk with and the people around me. That's just, I don't know, that's just become, I guess that's become the, the, the bigger mission for me. Yeah, I, I, I love that mission, and I'd love to get back to a point, and, and I think everybody's a little nostalgic for the way it used to be. You know, I don't, I don't want to yeah. sound like an old man. You can get off my grass, but I remember going on when I was a teenager, so this would have been in the 90s, not that long ago. Um, I remember going on these backpacking trips with Boy Scouts, and we yeah. were in, in Southern California in Los Angeles, so a very mixed group. It's like we had some fathers that were super, super conservative, you know, supervising sheriffs at the county jail, ex-military, and then we had some fathers who were like, you know, in the 90s, they were they were probably hippies of the 60s and the 70s. You know, yes. Jer Jerry Brown and and Nancy Pelosi are, are, are way too far right for them. They're just like as far left as you can get. And on yeah. backpacking trips, there's not shit to do except for sit around the right. campfire and talk. And so I right. remember teenage kids and adults and having these really aggressive, opinionated, pointed political discussions and arguments and debates. And then we were all friends and we broke down camp the next day and we walked 10 miles together and we set up camp together and we cooked together. And it was like a lot of people in that circle thought that the other fathers or kids were wrong, but they didn't yeah. think they were evil. Yeah. And and I get the feeling now that most people feel, well, no, it's not only that you're wrong, it's that you're wrong and that you're evil. Um, yeah. And I had this conversation with a, with a realtor the other day who were friendly enough to talk about politics and we were disagreeing on something. And I finally just stopped her and I was like, I won't use her name, uh, I'll just say Mary. Uh, I, I said, hey, Mary, do, do you really think that I want to kill your kids and your grandma? Like, you you know my heart. We've done business together for a long time. We've broke bread together. We've met each other's families. Do you right. really believe that my opinions on the pandemic, do you re really believe I want my children to kill your children and your grandma? And she's like, no, that's a good point. You know, I'm just a little heated. I'm like, yeah, come on, man. Like, we can disagree on something without hating each other and vilifying yeah. each other. And that just seems to be the immediate go-to, like you said, grab the pitchfork, which is, which is dangerous. It is, man. And I, I think... To your exact point, in the 90s, there was very little internet. There certainly were not cell phones with access to the internet. And so when you're sitting around the campfire, you have to look into somebody's eyes. And you, if you're going to argue with them, if you're going to make comments on their appearance or how smart or dumb you think they are, you are going to have that eye contact with them. And there's a there may be a likelihood that they're going to jump up, jump up and push punch you in the face. You don't have that on the internet. You can have people, you know, spewing all kinds of bullshit, but you can just sign off as soon as you want to. And 
yeah. I mean, so maybe it is, you know, uh, partially, uh, you know, related to Facebook. I know Facebook's under a ton of fire right now, which I'm personally okay with. But I, I really just, I, I want to be able to have, even though we're, you know, a thousand two, I don't know how far away you are, fifteen hundred miles uh, from me. I mean, we we are still looking in each other's eyes, and we are able to respect each other and have that mutual agreement that we. We want to produce something really cool here. We want to have a great conversation so other people can learn and grow from us. And that I don't know, I want more of that. I, I really, really do. And I, I I don't know. I just I don't like engaging on on social media for that very fact that you just you don't have that. It's just there's no there's I, I'm using this word a lot, but there's no nuance there. And you're I don't know, that that's just not beneficial for me. Yeah, and, and I've heard you say this several times on your podcast that like that whether it's eye to eye or just one to one conversation, that's what you really think society thrives on, which I agree with you. You know, yeah. the snarky little comments like I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. I've said some things on Facebook where I'm like, oh, would I really talk to a woman that way if we were in person right. or if I knew that guy could just clock me in the face, would I really have said that to him or vice versa? So right. um, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I, I don't claim to be a saint. But, you know, I've heard you mention this several times on your podcast about that one to one conversation, that eye to eye. What have you learned, you know, several hundred conversations in now on your podcast? What have you learned about that power of of having one to one conversations like like, you know, humans are supposed to? You know, the, the first thing that pops into my mind is a, a mutual connection of ours. Nicole Jansen, I, you had her on your podcast recently. Um you know, I, I, I was I was referred to her uh, by by uh, um, uh, a friend, uh, Luke Dupron. He was a prior guest on the podcast and I, I needed somebody because I, I didn't have somebody for the following week. And he referred me to Nicole and it was a great conversation. I knew nothing about her, though. And so when we started talking about religion and how religious she is, it was uh, it was kind of an eye opening moment for me. Like I in my. I, I grew up going to church like so many kids did in my 20s and during college. I, I became an atheist like so many kids do. And then now in my 30s, I realize I'm too stupid to have any sort of clue what's actually out there. And so I try to be open to all ideas. And as I was having this conversation with Nicole and I was realizing how how much God and Jesus uh, mean to her, I was like, that's that's fantastic. I'm so glad that you have that in your life. And I, I never would have said that in my 20s. And I'm just I'm my mind and my heart and my soul, if you want to call it that, are are expanding to just be so, I guess, welcoming of other people's viewpoints and other people's beliefs and things that actually bring so much value and comfort in people's lives. And so I guess that that is probably one of the most profound uh consequences that I was not expecting of actually having this podcast, just being op- not open to new ideas necessarily. I mean, that too, but being open to new beliefs and just kind of seeing what actually makes people tick and gives people the faith and the courage to move forward every single day when this has been for some a really difficult two or six or however many years in our lives. And so knowing what actually drives them forward has been so profound for me. That's awesome. And and in the conversations, because I know you've been doing a, you you do a weekly show, right? I do, yeah. Yeah, you've been doing a weekly show through the entire pandemic. Um, have you gotten some, you know, tips, ticks, or tips or tactics or strategies or whatnot for people that are staying sane and happy um, during all this craziness, whether it's because they, you know, they're listening to the political craziness or just because they're like, man, I'm, I'm sheltered in place in my home and I don't have my 
Friday night, you know, cocktail hour, hour to go to, or, you know, for me, it was movies. Like my only escape where I can turn everything off, turn off the cell phone, really have like just a release is going to a movie. I, my team knows I would frequently ditch work on Thursday afternoon and go see a movie because I just needed that <laughs> yeah. mental break. And when they shut down movie theaters in Los Angeles, I was like depressed for weeks. You should ask my wife. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry that we can't do the same dinner date at Chipotle and go see a movie. I'm like, yeah, but it's not about the Chipotle and the dinner date. It's about not having to think about anything else for two or three hours. So I was crushed yeah. for like weeks. Um, anyway, that's my story. But have you have you talked to people who are like finding ways to have breakthroughs and happiness or maintain their happiness during all this craziness? You know, that's a very interesting question. Um, and and perhaps I've limited myself a little bit because I, I, I think the vast majority, if not everybody that I've spoken to over the last two years, have they've... I've noticed they've had a growth mindset. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've spoken with anybody who hasn't taken the last two years as an opportunity to grow their business or pivot their business or, you know, take more time outside and just really grasp that freedom that they've been given. Um, I, I spoke with, a, I'm, I'm fortunate in the sense that there are a couple of publicists who send me authors uh, to to interview in the podcast. And one of them is Forrest Rivers, uh, which is a pseudonym. Uh, and you'll, you'll hear why in a second. He spends... He has spent so much time outside in the in, in the Appalachian Mountains. Like I, I, I'm fairly certain he's hiked the AT Trail at least part of it, and the amount of time he's been given to be outside during the pandemic has just absolutely changed his life. And he wrote a book about uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it's called. It was something in direct relation to COVID-19 and how people can maintain a positive outlook and mindset during this uh, time of uh, uh, difficulty. And uh, so it was just it was cool to to see that. It's been cool to see how people have just seen the last couple of years as an opportunity. And I say that I've only spoken with those types of people that, that may be a detriment because I haven't given myself the opportunity to speak with people who have been struggling. And I think that's equally important because, you know, we can't just write off the people who are, are not doing well right now, but the people who are having right. mental health issues or crises or people who have been fired from their jobs or people who are struggling with their work because uh, they they don't want to go in because they don't feel safe. And I, it's just, I, I'd like to talk to more of those people. And I should, as I'm saying this, I realize that I, I need to go out of my way to find them. Um, but I, I guess the key to answering your question is that everybody I've spoken with over the last two years, they just, they've really harnessed their growth mindset and seen, you know, or taken a step back and said, okay, here's how I can, you know, improve my life during this, this period, this slowdown period. And they've, they've really done so. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the growth mindset because I know I know plenty of quote unquote successful or wealthy people who actually don't have much of a growth mindset. And I yeah. know some people that, you know, I, we as society would consider poor for whether that means yeah. financially or opportunity wise or health wise, and they have a super growth mindset. So could you talk a little bit about what that even means to you and define like a, a growth mindset and maybe why that's so powerful with the group of people that you've talked to? Yeah, that's that's a that's a question I've not been asked before. So let me see if I can try to articulate this. Um, I mean, we when we talk about growth mindset, we we compare that to a fixed mindset where that's that's absolutely something that I, I used to be able to relate to. I mean, and it's it's such a real, still visceral feeling that I used to have, you know, six or seven years ago. 
I would go to my job, a sales job that I didn't even go to college for because I didn't study hard enough. And I'd go to a job that I absolutely hate. And so I, I would be there from nine o'clock in the morning if I, if I make it there in time to, to five o'clock at night, twiddling my thumbs and probably getting an hour's worth of work done. And then I'd come home and I'd be, I don't know if depressed is the right word or just, just forlorn and not happy with my life. And so instead of actually trying to you know improve myself by studying uh, a new topic or computer science or you know web design or anything like that i would i would start drinking i would go to the bar i'd go to happy hour because that's just what you do and i would go commiserate with other people who are not happy with their lives and so it was just it was this cyclical existence that i was living in and and, and because of that i never felt like i had the opportunity the courage or even the will to improve and i i, I think about that and i think about you know I think about trying to improve myself or trying to get a new job or trying to start my own business. And it just, that feeling just, if it, it was just washed away because I, I didn't think that I had the ability to do so. So that, that is where I come from, from a fixed mindset. Now, a growth mindset for me, I've realized over the last few years that I'm so capable of changing. I'm so capable of improving myself. And I, I, I want to be careful not to make it sound like I'm coming from a place of ego. This is coming from a place of experience. Like, I, I, I taught myself web design. I started a business in web design. I realized that I'm able to learn still. Like I'm not in school. I'm, I'm many years removed from high school and college and I, I still have the ability to learn. I still have the ability to read. I, I moved my uh, my laptop so, oh, so you can see my new book, my bookshelf. I'm, I'm proud of the books that I have because I, I do my best to read every single day. And that's just been such an opportunity for me to learn and grow. And so one thing that I, I've been able to do is just really optimize every area of my life. And I'm, I'm still discovering new areas in which I can, can change and, and improve just because we have conventional wisdom about how we operate our, with our money. And I, I, I know one of our first conversations was about money and uh, how we can manage it and how we can put it to work for us instead of, you know, just having a savings account and 401k, we can do a lot more with it and invest in it. And so that's been really cool to I don't like using this term, but hack my money, hack my time, hack every element of my existence so I can get the most out of it. And so that's, to me, that is what a growth mindset is. I'm sure that's different for, for other people. But for me, it's just knowing that I don't have to be stuck in one place. I have the option and the ability to design my life in a way that actually suits me. So I, I'm really interested in that shift, right? Um, kind of that Batman origin story. And, uh, you know, Joe Rogan, who I do listen to his podcast, always, uh, I think it's a Hemingway quote where like most men live quiet lives of desperation or something to that effect. I'm butchering yeah. the quote, but it's like silent lives of desperation. And, and, you know, I think the danger is a lot of people who get into that fixed mindset and they don't think they can improve. They just stay at that job forever and they go to the happy hour forever. And then, you know, they turn around at 50 or 60 and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm 80 pounds overweight. And I, I didn't really I didn't really get after it at any level. So um, where was the switch? Like, was that the was that the deciding not to drink? Did that come later? Like, what was what was the catalyst to be? Wait a minute. I, I'm going to end up at this job till I'm 55 and, and put a bullet yeah. through my head. Um, I, and I don't say that lightly because I know right, some, I know. some men genuinely consider that um as an out um but what what was the shift from like I, i'm in this fixed mindset i'm in this job i hate i'm drinking too much to like nope i'm gonna crush it and be like the new and improved trey kaufman yeah um it was i i i i don't say this in jest it was podcasts um my last real job i was i was a i was a marketing uh manager at a dental office and so i was my my morning commute was 20 25 minutes and you know the same home and so 
I used to spend so I used to spend close to an hour of my day listening to. I, I used to listen to radio a lot, and I, I came from a radio background, so I don't want to shit on it too much. But I was listening to I was listening to jocks make stupid jokes every single morning and every single afternoon. And I, when I started listening to podcasts, I realized that wasn't serving me. And I, I don't remember what the first podcast or podcasts I listened to were. I know uh, Tim Ferriss was a big one. Uh, I, I I listen to Joe Rogan when I can. Um, you know, one guy that's uh, he's not as well known, but Kevin Rose. He's been he's been an influence on my life since I was a kid, actually. And when he was on Tech TV and then G Four, um, so I listen to his podcast a lot too. And so when I started realizing that there are other people, I mean, I knew other people were living their best lives, but when I when they were sharing information because they actually wanted to help other people improve. That's when I really started to question, you know, the decisions that I was making. And so I, I to, to kind of truncate a long story, I, I started listening to podcasts and I, I discovered or I gained a stronger understanding of what meditation was. So I started experimenting with that. And I started experimenting with mindset. I would wake up every morning. I would listen to an inspirational uh, audio track on Spotify just to kind of get pumped up in the morning and and get a good feel for my life. And then I, I started reading, you know, more self improvement books. And it was just kind of it was this very very slow snowball effect that uh, eventually started to um, accumulate on top of each other. And I, I I realized that okay, there are other people who are having these huge successes. And I I used to think that everything was done overnight. But when I realized that I wasn't going to wake up one morning and I was going to be a podcaster or I was going to be an author with all this sudden success, like I actually had to do the work. It sounds so stupid saying it out loud, but I think some people need to say it to themselves, like nothing for me was going to happen overnight. I need to bust my ass to get these things that I actually want. When I had that realization, that's when I started to actually focus on self-improvement and self-development. And it all started with a podcast. I mean, that's that's really what's got me into a place where I've actually been comfortable and happy with my life. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because a, a lot of times friends of mine will be like, well, you know, you still, you, you still work in the mortgage industry. You're doing 40, 50 hours a week at your job. How do you find time to, you know, consume so much information and whatever, listen to books, listen to podcasts, do the podcast. And I'm like, well, it's easy. I just stopped listening to Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven for the 5,000th time, right? Because to yeah. your point, there's so much time that we waste just like putting on noise and distraction and shitty Netflix, uh, you know, uh, episodes and and listening to House of the Holy or uh, Led Zeppelin 3 over and over and over again. Yeah. It's like, all right, yeah, I, I kind of know the lyrics. Like, I kind of know the riffs. Like, I'm not going to be a musician. I can stop listening to the same radio jocks over over and over. I can't imagine how much time I wasted listening to Kevin and Bean. They're the big, you know, rock radio station here in Southern California. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. I know their personalities. They don't know me. I don't know them. We don't care about each other. Why am I so invested in this morning radio show? And uh, yeah. I, I think it's great because I, I kind of the same thing here is like I was kind of humming along in the mortgage business. I'm like, no, I think I could do more. And I think podcasts were a were a big part of that. Um, now, now that you've been doing your podcast, like I'd be interested in hearing about some of either your favorite guests or, or favorite lessons. Like obviously growth mindset is one of them, but what's some stuff that you've come across where you're like, oh yeah, this, this is the reason I'm doing the show. This, this is kind of the golden nugget, um, that I, that I got as a takeaway. Yeah. Um, great question. I, uh, 
you know, at some point, so I'm, I'm, uh, I released a hundred episode 115 this week, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's two years this month that I started the podcast. So it, it's definitely, you know, you you get to a point where some of the conversations you have they're unique, but they are also kind of reconfirming things that you've already talked about, and so you try to frame them in a little bit uh, different of a sense. And so when I have the opportunity to speak with somebody who, you know, I, is going to give just a, a new approach on something that we haven't talked about, that that is really, really where my, uh, my I guess my, my fire gets lit. And that's been so exciting for me. And so the first one who comes to mind is uh, Christina Wise. Um, she is a, an incredible woman out of Austin. Um, actually, her and her daughter run a company called um, Wealthy Wealthy. And so I, I actually, I took her personal finance program, it's called Curbs, uh, which has just transformed the way I approach my money, as we were talking about earlier, and I'm taking her business course uh, starting in a couple of weeks. And so I was actually hesitant to talk about money on the podcast. I really was because the, there's the old maxim, money doesn't buy happiness. But then as simple as it sounds, well, neither does being poor. And so if you if you can use your money in a way that actually feels good to you instead of just buying a bunch of shit off Amazon, but if you actually adds value to your life, and that that's, that's a great thing. And so having that conversation really allowed me to think differently about the way I handle my money, especially as I'm starting to make more of it. And so that, that was very profound. And so... With that, uh, that was a great conversation. Um, more recently, I had a, a woman on my podcast. She She's an author. She's got a, her first book coming out with a major publisher. I can't remember which one uh, in January. Her name is uh, Carolina. Um, I'm going to butcher her last name, like Jacques Kovetsky or something like that. It's, I think it's, I, I don't remember, Polish or something. But uh, so we talk about uh, Jesse Harless and how he had to quit drinking. Like that was court mandated. Carolina, like me, she decided that drinking was not serving her. And so she has a program called Alcohol AF, which you may think as fuck, but uh, it's actually alcohol free or euphoric AF. Um, and so she has written a book on how people can live their best lives alcohol free. And it was a, a really, really cool conversation because it was just, I don't know. I don't have the I don't have the chance to talk to a lot of people who've decided that that's not serving them. And when I get the chance to, it's just it's I don't I don't want to call it confirmation bias because that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not trying to change people's minds on you know what they're doing with their time. But when I'm able to actually have a, a really good enlightening conversation because she's done a lot of research into that whole industry, I w- it was nice to be able to you know back up uh, some of my beliefs and some of my experiences with things that she's actually learned in writing this book. That's nice. And, and, you know, you mentioned the things that aren't serving you. Um, and, and spoiler alert, Christina Wise, awesome lady. Love her to yes. death. Uh, she came yes. from the real estate and mortgage industry. So we've talked a bunch of times and I need to find a way to, to, uh, work in her money class next year. Cause I'm really good yeah. at making money. I'm kind of hard. It's I'm kind of bad at saving it and <laughs> investing it. So I need Christina's it's a great class. I, I need Christina's class. Uh, shout out to wealthy, wealthy. Um, but you know, when you mentioned the drinking thing not serving you and, you know, it's, it's something, just a, a choice and, and a lot of people get fixated on the on the evils and the vices. But what are some other things that you've discovered on this journey that either aren't serving you well or are serving you well? You know, before we went live on the podcast, I was guessing that you're kind of into the minimalist movement, which you're like, yeah, you pegged that right. And I know you really like the outdoors. But what are some things that you've found through this journey and these interviews that's like, hey, these are really the things that aren't serving me and that might only apply to Trey, but that might apply to a much larger cross-section of Americans. (laughs) Um, What are some things that aren't serving me? And what are some things that I've discovered are really serving me and I need more of in my life? Yeah, man. Um, All right, I'm going to say something that is not going to be, it's going to be a wildly unpopular opinion, but it's, again, N equals one. It's just me. 
the last two years, <laughs> I've realized how little I need to go out. And I, I say go out, you know, I, I go outside. I, I outside, being outside is very important to me. I, I run, I bike, I, I rock climb. That's extremely important to me. But when I say go out, like I, I don't think I've been in a restaurant more than, you know, five times in the past two years. And, you know, initially, obviously because of COVID, but now that restaurants are open, I'm realizing one, I don't need to spend money in restaurants. That just, that does not serve my financial goals. And two, I've come to make every single meal that I eat. And that's been very, very important to my health and wellness journey. I know exactly what's in the food. I I, I eat 98% whole foods and I, I throw some breads in because I make sandwiches. And so the understanding why I decided that I don't necessarily need restaurants in my life. And I, there's nothing, I've got nothing against restaurants, only the, all the love in the world. I know they've been struggling. I hope they continue to do well. I know this is not going to convince people to not go out to eat, but for me, that just was not serving my health and my financial goals. And so I, I, I cut it out. Like I, like I said, I have not been in a restaurant more than five times in the past two years. And that will number will probably continue to dwindle. Um, and it's because it's been because health has been so incredibly important to me. Um, I, I think really that is the biggest thing that I, I've discovered about myself over the last two years is that what I need to do, what I what I need to do is, is stay fit, stay healthy, and I because I love this life and I want to live it as long as I possibly can. And health is just, I mean, that that's the way to do it. And so I, I, that that is probably the single biggest thing that I realized was not serving me. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of another example. I know you love movies so much, and I, I it, it pains me to hear you say that you've not been able to go to them. But I, I, I what I have what's been interesting to me is to, is to see the evolution of movies kind of evolve into the home theater system and so i i i was never a huge movie goer but i i think now that's probably outside my my purview now because i i just i realized how much i, I like staying home and uh you know enjoying film that way but uh i don't know i i think uh, i think it's really the the restaurant and the alcohol thing that that i, I cut out of my life because it wasn't serving me yeah, have a couple kids that won't be quiet and a wife that asks questions during the entire movie when you watch it at home and you'll change your yeah. mind. Because like, at least at the theater when it gets dark and there's other people, yes. like my kids and my wife, they know they're supposed to be quiet. If we're in the sanctuary of our home, I can't get through 15 minutes of a movie without my I wife or my kids being like, hey, what's happening? Who's that? And I'm like, honey, you've seen the same fucking movie that I have. Like we have the same 15 <laughs> minutes of knowledge. There's no way I know what that character is gonna do better than you know what that character is. I promise you, yes. I didn't watch the movie last night when you were asleep just to rewatch it with you today. She's like, okay, yeah, that's fair. But but what do you think he's gonna do? And I'm like, honey, I love you to death. The one thing I hate doing is watching movies with you. Um, does, she do, do that, does she do that in the theater too? She used to. So when we first started dating and you know we got past the couple fancy dates where I was trying to woo her. And now I was like, all right, yeah. it's, it's time for me to slide you into my comfort zone. Like we're going to do Chipotle and AMC theaters. So we go to a movie and the movie started and she's like, hey, what's this about? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's a whatever. It's an action movie. We'll, we'll figure it out together. And then like about seven minutes in, she had asked her a third question. I'm like, look, um, this might be a deal breaker in our relationship. This is not how I do movies. Let's talk about it after the credits roll. And I, yeah. I mean, you would have just think like I slapped her dog or something because she was like, oh, okay, I guess he really takes these movie things seriously because <laughs> I can't stand people that talk in the theater. So that was uh, yeah. that was one thing we had to adjust to or sadly, my wife had to do most of the adjusting in our relationship. Uh, she had to adjust to when we first started dating. It's like, you just don't ask questions during movies. So uh, yeah, uh, question question for you. You know, there, there's been a lot of stress with people um, working from 
you know, I, I, I kind of want to merge a couple questions here. I'm fascinated in the minimal, minimalist uh, movement because, you know, I came from a family that worked really hard and was probably lower middle class. So buying a bunch of shoes or having a bunch of crap, like in some ways yeah. that satisfies that itch of me telling myself that like I made it, you know? Um, so I'm fascinated in the minimal, minimalist view. And then I think, you know, couple that with everybody staying at home and just being easy to buy shit on Amazon and renovate for the sake of renovating and whatnot. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe that minimal, minimalist movement and how that relates to happiness in you know, we've got a lot of people for the first time ever working from home, educating their kids from home. Like, like the home has become so much more important in the last two years versus oh, I can kind of distract myself to your point, going out to a restaurant, going out to a bar, going out to a movie. Um, do you have any thoughts in, in the home life for either single people or couples of like minimalism and designing your space and being happy in your area. Cause I know a lot of people that are on their last leg with, you know, working from their kitchen table and having their kids have to, you know, be in, on, in school and zoom, or they're just home alone and they like, don't feel comfortable in their space anymore. I don't, I don't even know what question I'm asking, but I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on like space environment, home minimalism, go wherever you want with that question. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I mean, to your going back to the the point about movies, I, 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 I don't put judgment on this. I guess I, I will say that I, I'm lucky in the sense for me that I don't have kids, and so I don't have those distractions. But I mean, I can under I fully sometimes it it takes a conversation like this for me to realize like. Uh, you know, I, what I have, I'm fortunate for, and I don't have somebody distracting me from my work every single day. So I understand how that can be different for, and frustrating. And, and at times, you know, putting us on our last leg, uh, every single day, because we are trying to educate and try to work and all the same thing. I, I respect those people. Um, that's just, I, I don't have that distraction in my life. Um, now I, I also want to say in regard to minimal, minimalism, there are people who are hardcore minimalists out there. And that's, I mean, that's, that's not me. So I, I, I don't want to say something to offend those people. But for me, you know, one of the biggest things when it comes to, you know, actually making purchases, I want to make sure that what I'm buying is actually going to serve me in some way and actually going to bring value to my life. Um, and so I, I don't know, I, I try to practice the, uh, the practice of if I'm going to buy something and it's, it's a, it's a fairly significant purchase, I'm going to think about it for, for a little bit of time, you know, a week or two, I'm going to put it in my cart, let it sit there, see if I get a, a retargeted ad and I get a coupon from whatever website I'm buying it from. Um, and I, I just, I, I want to make sure that it's something that I'm thinking about every single day, like naturally, like I, I'm not going to keep it in my straight in my line of sight. But if I, if it's something that keeps coming to mind and I realize that, okay, this is something that I actually want, it's going to add value to my life. then I will let myself have it. Um, you know, some things that I always let myself have are books. Um, that I, 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 I do my best to uh, expand my worldview through those. And so, you know, when I go to the bookstore, I, I'm stealing this quote from Ryan, from Ryan holiday. Um, I, I will never let finances get in the way of a book that I want to read. Uh, that's just, that's important to me. And they, they are fairly, you know, they're not super expensive, especially if you go to half price books or something like that. And so I want to make sure that those, that's something that I continue to invest in, at least for myself. Um, most recently, for example, I've been wanting to kind of get back into strength training. And so I, I've been following, maybe you've heard of uh, this company before, Bamf Hammer. Uh, it's a oh. big, it's a big ass hammer. Like it's, it's, it's a hammer. They have got like 10 
20 pound and 40 pound weights. And so um, I bought a 40 pound hammer that's not here yet, but it's something I've been wanting for a long time. And so you basically do all these, you know, uh, mobility exercises to help you build your strength. And it's something that I've I've been thinking about doing for a long time and finally pulled the trigger on it because I, I, I was getting back into strength training and actually, you know, making sure that I remain in shape. So, you know, big purchase like purchases like that, I, I do my best to not do uh, on a whim because I don't want to have that buyer's remorse. Um, and I mean, now with all the uh, supply chain issues, I, I, we, I think we have a lot more of an opportunity. I hope we have a lot more of an opportunity going into the holidays to think about what we're actually buying. I, I don't, I hate Black Friday. I think Black Friday is a bit the bane of the holiday season. I've worked at Best Buy on Black on Black Friday in the past, and it was just a nightmare. I um, I don't know. I just want people to be more cognizant of of what they're they're buying in their lives, and I don't want it. I don't know. Again, I just want people to. I don't know. I want it to serve value. I want it to scratch an itch instead of, you know, just uh, hitting that dopamine center in your brain and saying, hey, I bought something. This feels good for five minutes. And oh, now I, I, I just spent $200 and I really don't care about this gadget or whatever it is. So I, I don't know. For me, that that's an exercise that I try to do every time I try to purchase something. So when it comes to minimalism, that is my minimalism. I'm always trying to get rid of crap that I, I don't use anymore. And so uh, just... I guess, uh, you know, speaking of Christina, why she made me realize that I really love having a simple life. And a lot of that is not having too many distractions. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, you mentioned med meditation and mindfulness earlier. One of the one of the things that has forced me to be mindful is having kids, um, because it's funny how much judgment you put on kids because of their lack of understanding. And then you're like, wait, I do the same thing. So, you know, when you talk about uh, purchasing stuff, that adds value versus scratching itch, you know, we'll be walking through the store and I can tell when we're at Target, when the kids are just like, I want that, I want that. Can I yeah. have that toy? Can I have that toy? And you can realize when it's that versus like, oh, this look of wonderment of like, daddy, could we put together that Lego toy? And it's like, yeah. all right, well now I'll spend the 30 bucks on that, but I won't buy yeah. the $5 tchotchke. And what's funny is as I'm walking through the store with them and I'm like, these stupid kids, like they just want to grab everything off the shelf and whatnot. <laughs> then I start to reflect on myself and I'm like, wait a minute, that's exactly what I used to do with shoes or DVDs or, or pick yeah. whatever the thing is or cars that I've wasted an insane amount of money on. You spend the money, you get that little five minute dopamine shot. And then you're like, well, now I need those shoes in a different color to get the dopamine shot again. <laughs> and then I need to buy that. Yeah. And then I gotta, I gotta trade it in to get a nicer car. And it's like it, having kids is like the thing that has made me the most, cause I've tried meditation. I've tried the mindfulness exercises. I know this lady, Juliana Ray, who's an awesome mindfulness coach. I've tried it all and I can't get into that rhythm of, of uh, meditation. Um, but being with my kids, you have to be super mindful of everything, yes. and uh, it's been a it's been a great reflection. So I I, I recommend you knock a few of them out one day, um, or yeah. adopt a couple or whatever. <laughs> uh, what um, let's talk a little bit about your we'll quote quote uh, day to day normal job. What, what do you? I, I mean, I'm guessing uh, I could be wrong here. I'm guessing the podcast doesn't do uh, doesn't doesn't serve your full financial needs. So I'm guessing you have a quote unquote regular job. What is, what does oh, Trey man. do in his normal life? Wouldn't that be the dream, man? Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know what your podcast does for you as well, but I mean, it's, it would be so cool to be able to at least be part time with this. Um, well, I guess I'm more than part time, but actually making some money from it. So no, no, that is a, that is certainly more of a passion project, and it's, it's. I mean, even if it never brings money, uh, I, I, I still get tremendous value out of it. There are, of course, times where I question, do I really want to do this? And then I have a great conversation, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, 
so the the day to day job, I, I'm I'm a solopreneur. I, I build websites. That is that is my my one line pitch. But it, it kind of goes deeper than that. I I also host, maintain, uh, manage, and then I there are still a couple select a few clients that I'll do some marketing work for. I'm big. I, I shouldn't put emphasis on that. I I, I I try to be involved with the running community here in Columbus. And so I work with uh, um, the Columbus 10K. I do all of their uh, marketing and advertising to help grow the events, which has just been so much fun to kind of see uh, see it grow. And to, I, I don't know, I, just, I love being around people who are just continually pushing themselves. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to be an elite athlete. I never as much as I, I want to. Um, I, I've the, the best... The, I've, I finished second in a f- local 5k one time. That's like the highlight of my career. Nice. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so I mean, the, the web design thing, I just, I, that's been awesome for me because it allows me to make a living working for myself. And it's just, it's got an unlimited potential, uh, to grow and learn. Uh, right now I primarily work in WordPress, but I'm actually studying to become a full stack developer. Uh, I would love to move into the SaaS space. There's a couple opportunities that I want to develop for. So just learning and, uh, kind of broadening my, my scope and my horizon has just, you know, again, it scratches that itch going back, you know, five years. I, I'm, I'm realizing that I, I'm still able to learn. I'm still able to to do things that I didn't think were possible. And so that gives me that fulfillment that I never had working for somebody else. You know, I, I work in the finance world and I'm, I'm technically an employee of another company, but I'm effectively self-employed, yeah. fully commissioned. Yeah. And, and I can't imagine working any other way. If somebody, I mean, if somebody offered me a giant salary, it was like, but you got to put on a suit and tie and you got to be there at 845 and clock in and work till 530 <laughs> every day. I think I would rather kill myself. Um, Absolutely. And, and so was, was there kind of a dovetailing of you finding happiness, going on this journey and becoming a solopreneur? Like when you left the night, nine to five world. Um, was, was that scary? Was there some depression, some fear, or did that kind of dovetail nicely with this journey into like Trey being a more happy, fulfilled person? Because I, I can't think of anything more scary than being a solopreneur and also nothing more satisfying and, and uplifting than being a solopreneur, because then you're kind of in control of your own world. And, and I, I, I love that idea. So did those, did those coincide or did one come before the other? You know, uh, maybe there's something wrong with my brain, but I don't have a larger version of risk. And so I, I again, maybe it's because I, I don't have the dependence, but I, I was not scared of going off my own and, and really building this for myself. I had enough savings that if I fell flat on my face and I'd be okay for a little while. Now, um, you know, with that, uh, there was... I, 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 there, as I was starting, I, I did want to make some supplemental income. And so, uh, going to your point of, you know, even no matter what the salary is or, you know, what they're offering you, I would rather, you know, fail on my own than, you know, make uh, $500,000 with another company. So I did want to supplement my income and at, at least a little bit as I was growing. And so I, um, I decided to work for the the, the city of Columbus uh, in the parks department, um, and I, I went out on my first day. I thought it'd be really cool just to be outside all day, cutting lawns, you know, whacking weeds. I quit after the first day, and I, I'm not super proud of that. But I just I realized how that how, I don't know. I, d- I didn't feel like I was with my tribe, if you want to call it that. I didn't feel like I was doing something that was fulfilling to me. I didn't feel like my time was being used wisely, and so. The, the the fear uh, of actually going out on my own it, just, it didn't really it didn't really exist and so I was I was lucky I was lucky I, I worked hard I, I made sure that I was okay moving forward just to hustle and grind as much as I had to to, to build the book of business that I needed to to be successful and 
are you happy where you're at? Or, you know, cause I, I think the curse of the entrepreneur is like, yeah, I've got seven clients. I can afford my place. I've got, you know, I've got a great, a, a great life, you know, but I could have 17 or I could have yeah. 70 or I could scale this giant company and have 700. It's like, it's this really scary thing where for entrepreneurs, the answer is really always more. I could be doing more loans. I could be recording more right. podcasts. I could be coaching more clients. I could be making more money. I could hire more people. And it's like, and then at some point you got to look around and be like, dude, my life's pretty awesome. Like I'm paying all my bills. I got good time yes. with my family. I do jujitsu five times a week. Um, but man, the curse is like, the, as an entrepreneur, you could always do more. You could always be more successful. You could have a bigger house. You could make more money. So um, are you happy where you're at? Yes. Or is there like yes. a certain amount of growth that you're still seeking? You know, I, th I think that's, that is a message I try my best to articulate and convey is that you can be happy and still have goals that push beyond where you are right now. And I, I still don't think that's the best way of putting it. But I I am very, very happy where I am right now. I'm happy with what I have in my life. I'm happy with what I don't have in my life. And I think that that, that growth mentality, I, I think it, I, I know it can serve you or it can it can hinder you. And I, I, I try not to be, I try not to catch myself on the hedonic treadmill. Like I, I don't want to say I'll be happy when I have this because I, I've been that person before. And so I, I guess I, I look at my development. I look at where I'm going and where I've been and where I'm at right now. And I say, you know, that will do great for, for my future goals. Um, it, it's not motivated by money, uh, which I, I think may be the case for, for some of the examples you just listed, but maybe not. It's motivated because I want to continue learning and here's what I want to do, uh, with, with my time. Um, I mean, from a web design standpoint where I'm right now, like I, I love working for myself. I love having control of, of my day. That's, that's super important to me. Um, when somebody asks what I do, I like to say in jest, I, whatever the fuck I want, whenever the fuck I want to. Uh, and that's, that's, yeah, I say it in jest, but I mean, it, it's true to me. And so, you know, if I grow into a, a position where I can actually develop some software and have some SaaS services, um, it'd be really cool to, you know, build a company and then sell it because I, one thing that I always loved, I, I told you I used to really follow Valley Wags. I've always been fascinated by Silicon Valley. That's just always something that's just, it's stuck in my head. Like that'd be really cool to, you know, be the next Uber of something. Um, and so there, there is still some of that desire there, but I want to do it in a way that is meaningful for me and, and in a way that uh, I can live within integrity uh, doing it. And so that's just something I'm exploring to, to see if it actually feels good. If it doesn't, then I'll give it up. I, I've got no problem in saying, hey, this was a learning lesson, not a failure. I don't like that word. A failure is a, is a, it's a reason to learn. And so I'm going to move on from what I learned and then continue uh, in my development and continue running a business that you know my clients seem to really uh, respect. Yeah. And you said something there that I think some of our some of our listeners will be familiar with. Some of them will not. The, the hedonic treadmill. Um, can you, can you explain a little bit what that is and a little bit about that trap? Cause that's one of my, that's one of my favorite theories that I'm kind of coming to grips with in my forties that I've been on that treadmill for 20 years. So can you, yeah. can you explain a little bit about that? I mean, yeah, it's a, I, I don't have a understanding, understanding of it beyond, you know, essentially what I just said, but I, I used to say this verbatim. Like I, I remember a conversation I was having with somebody over coffee. Like I will be happy when I start my own business or I will be happy when I make this much money. It's just, it's just, it's that lifestyle creep. Like you, you accomplish one big goal, but then you set your sights, you know, way out into the distance and you'll, you'll say you're, 
you 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 you're basically kicking the can down the line. You're saying, okay, I'll be happy here, but oh wait, uh, that was just lying to myself, or I was just kidding. I'll be happy down here, and that's for me. It's that that creep that that uh, that always wanting more and never being content. I think content is a big word. It's something that can scare a lot of people away because content is part of happiness. It's being comfortable with where you are sitting right now. Like, am, am I content with what I have? Yes, that answer is yes. And if if it's I don't know. I, I don't want to speak for other people, but if it's if it's if it's no, then you know, start to think about what your priorities are. And so, for in, in regard to the treadmill, like I I I I can never say I will be happy when I have this because that is just that's a that's a curse for me. And I, I know that we don't always have as much time as we think we have. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been having this conversation a lot with our coaching clients because you know it, it's been a wonderful two years for mortgage professionals with rates low and yeah. and housing still going great. And you know, I'm talking to someone. My coaching clients who for the first time in their life, they've made $500,000, $700,000. A couple of them made a million dollars. And they're like, yeah, but I'll just be happy when I get this much money in the bank. And I'm like, hey, I have fallen into this trap too, guys and gals. Um, yeah. If you could go back in time 10 years and you, know, you 10 years ago was right here listening to you complain about only making a million dollars, you would kick your own ass. Like, you know, it's just, it's embarrassing. So Go hire, you know, if you're at that level, go hire a $50,000 a year assistant, admin, nanny, house yeah. cleaner, whatever to make your life better. Because like, if, if you're making a million dollars a year and you're already looking at like, well, where's the next level I got to get to before I can be happy? I mean, that's a really dangerous trap that you'll probably never get out of. Now, you know, uh, going back to Christina Wise, I want to give her credit for this. Uh, I was on her podcast and she made me realize that when I when I used to say that of myself, she said, well, were you not happy at that time? Like if somebody says I'll be happy when I have 10 million dollars, ask them, are you not happy right now? Like, are you sad? Are you miserable? Are you are you not feeling good with your life? Because I, I would have to assume that answer is, well, no, I actually am happy, but Maybe I'll be happier. And then, then they start to think about the, or they start to be critical with what they're saying of themselves. And hopefully they can feel like there is power in what I'm doing right now. And I actually have the ability to be happy, but still want to pursue other goals because I think there's, you can distinguish between the two. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I always like to close with a, a couple questions, obviously, because of the challenges we've been dealing with the, uh, with the last couple of years. And the last question I'll ask you is what's the question I forgot to ask. So I'll let that ruminate in your subconscious okay. for a minute. But, um, you know, I, I, I love the fact that you've kind of discovered over this last 18 months or so that one of the things that's not serving you is going out, eating out, things of that nature. When the world gets back to normal, whatever that means, um, what are you most looking forward to as far as, you know, connecting with other people or reestablishing your tribe or what, what's the thing you're kind of looking most forward to? And this can either be coming out of the pandemic or just in the future, or, you know, the positive direction of the nation or whatnot. What, what are you most looking forward to coming up in the next 12, 18, 24 months? Yeah, I you know I've never really been much of a traveler, um, probably because I never made a lot of money. Uh, now that I, I I do, I've started thinking more of it. And then of course, you know, travel restrictions have been in place. Um, I, I would love to to travel uh, across uh, across the ocean. I would I would love to go to Bali. I'd love to go to Thailand. That'd be really cool. That'd be something that I would love to experience. But I think more than that, you know, I've had 115 of these conversations. I, I there are so many people right here in the United States that I, I really want to meet. And so you know, we talk about you talk about Sarah Elkins and her 
are no longer virtual conference. Like I don't tell her this, but I'm considering signing up and going uh, in, in next March because it'd be really cool just to meet these people who have been inspiring me. And so I, I, I want to meet people like yourself. I want to actually shake your hand. I want to say, hey, you know, let's just have a great conversation in person because I think there's a lot of value there. So yeah, I would like to do more traveling, but more specifically, I would like to actually meet some of these people that I'm having conversations with. Yeah, man, maybe we should uh, just design our own conference, like just a hundred cool people. Um, That'd be you know, awesome. No, no keynote speakers, no anything. We're just going to get in a big hundred person circle and do some- Just kum- call it kumbaya. that. Yeah, just call it yes. that. Just call it, call it what? A hundred cool people. A hundred cool people.com. I love it, dude. I love it. <laughs> there you go. hundred cool people in a room, drum circles, no keynote, no, no agenda. Perfect. Just be like three days of just talking to cool people. Um, yes. I, I like that idea. And then of course, you know, you've got a lot going on personally, professionally, the passion project of the, uh, of the podcast. What's, what's the question I forgot to ask, or what's the thing that you're like, man, I really wish when I get interviewed that I got asked this question, or there's this question I've been really meaning to ask other people that I just never get to. Like, What's the, what's the question I forgot to ask during the podcast? You know, I, I, that's, I love that quote. I love that closing question. I, I, I do my best to ask, you know, something similar uh, at the end of my podcast and I'm, I'm going to turn it around because it's more of a, I, I, I can't think of anything else. So the, the question is, I want people to ask this of themselves. How can I demand the best for myself? And it's, it's trying to think critically about what you have in your life and what you can do better. And so I, I know that's, that's completely, completely subverting your question, but I, I really want people to ask that of themselves. You know, what can I do better in my own life? Um, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to cop out, but I, I, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. It's so great. Cause I, and there's that quote, right? Um, the change we want to see in the world starts within ourselves. Yes. I butcher quotes yeah. all the time, but um, some, something along those lines. It's so true, yeah. you know, for the for the person that maybe does listen to my podcast and myself included, who gets real riled up about stuff that's way out of our control. What we can control is like what's going on in ourselves, the conversations we have, you know, the way that we pour into our kids and our fellow yeah. man and getting to know my neighbor just in case his house gets robbed. Um, that That's the stuff we can really have control over. So I love that. Like what's the what's the best that you can do within yourself, man? So that's the, that's the way to end the podcast. And I appreciate you being on Trey. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I, I, like I said, I've been looking forward to having this conversation for, I don't know, I I know we had to reschedule. So it's been, it's been months since I've been looking forward to this. So I appreciate the space that you're creating. I appreciate uh, you just having, again, nuanced conversation with me. And I I look forward to the hundred cool people conference uh, in 2022 or 23, something like that. Perfect, man. We'll talk soon. (laughs) All right, man. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Bye.